On this week's show, we're going to continue our summertime series, Performance Equals Profit. We got lessons for all the important people in your company, your CSRs, your technicians, and your sales folks. Your CSRs are going to learn how to build more value over the phone. Your technicians are going to learn how to be a stone cold professional. And your sales folks will learn why the intro and credibility steps in the sales process are so critically important. Welcome to Cracking the Code the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Welcome to the audio version of Cracking the Code. Now this was originally a video show, so if you hear us talking about something related to an image or any other visual element, you can see what we're talking about by going over to egia.org show and see what we're doing there in Cracking the Code. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. In this week's CSR segment, I want to talk about why it's so important to build value on the phone call. The reality is homeowners are calling and it's more and more competitive and oftentimes they're just looking for a cheap price. So it's critically important the CSR takes the time to build the value of the company, to differentiate yourself from your competition. Join me as we watch Brigham Dickinson talk about how it's so important, why it's so important to build value on the call. The next principle is building value. Now a very simple application of, of building value is, is we're going to send out a technician. He's trained, he's certified, he's backed by our company, he's been around for the last 30 years now, so you're in great hands. He's going to come out with a fully stocked truck, he's going to look at the scope of the work. He's going to determine exactly what needs to be fixed and he's going to give you a price before he starts. Now, there is a fee of extra to come out and do that. That's a very simple way to build value and, and that's great, it's a good starting point. What if we were to take building value to a whole new level? Let's just say that was level one. Let's go to level two of building value. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send out Louie. Now, Louie's fantastic. He's, he's a bigger guy. He's a heavier set guy. He's like a big teddy bear. And, and he'll take great care of you. He specializes in the type of air conditioner that you're looking for, especially with the zoning product that you talked about. We also talked about the hot and cold areas in your home. We can help with that as well. I'll make sure Louie knows. But when he comes out, He'll be able to give you all your, all your options there. So you're in great hands there. As far as Louie is concerned, uh, he's trained, he's certified, and he is back by our company. has been around for the last 30 years, so you're in great hands. So he's going to take great care of you. Now, in the back of your head, you're going, wow, Louie sounds fantastic. Why? Because I personalized it to Louie. Now, I realize that sometimes you don't know which technician's coming out. But if you were to focus in on the specific needs of the customer, their wants, their needs, based on what they said. Say they do have hot or cold areas in the home. Say they do have somebody who suffers from allergies or asthma. Say they do have some duct work that's really old and it's, been, it's kind of torn apart. You want to build value specific to their needs. That's level two, right? So level three might look somewhat different for every customer that comes in. But the, the end goal is this. It's not about what they ordered. It's about what they want. And if you can get to the point where you become valuable, you become indispensable to the organization, one of the characteristics of that individual that does that is they create value within their responsibility. And by their example, they're teaching everybody else how to do the same thing. That's how somebody becomes indispensable inside an organization. So your goal is not just to teach them the application, hey, we sent a technician who's trained, certified, back by our company. That's great. That's fantastic. You know, we could do those scripts all day long. We could send those scripts out to you all day long. In fact, you can find it on the EGI website. 
we'll make sure that you've got plenty of scripts to choose from. That's all fine and good. What you really want to do is develop a team that goes above and beyond. They don't think about how hard it is or how long it takes or how much they're being paid. They are focused in on this one customer. And they're focused in on winning the moment. If that's their mindset and they're creating value based on what they want, not just what they ordered, that's an indispensable CSR inside your, your call center. So what, what does building value come down to? You're creating value within your responsibility and you're teaching others to do the same with, inside your organization. Create value within your responsibility and teach others to do as you are doing. That's building value. When you're setting up your call center and you're focused on culture, the hard stuff, the difficult things, you want to teach your team that it's a stewardship. It's an opportunity to serve others. When you consider that it is a stewardship, why is it a stewardship? Well, because when you do it, you're serving somebody else. If customers stop coming, you have no opportunity to serve. That's why it's a stewardship. You're serving other human beings. I've got a good friend. His name is Keen Farr. He's well into his 80s. And one on, on one in particular day, he was talking about his friends who uh, were dying around him. The guy's almost 90. And he began to hint that uh, he was going to die he was going to die too, and I hated that. I said, Keen, you're, you're the sage in the neighborhood. You can't die. And he laughed at me, and he said, what do you mean, I can't die? And I said, well, like I said, you're the sage. You, you provide uh, wisdom and, and, and uh, teaching uh, to everybody in the neighborhood. You hang out with our kids and teach them. and uh, Just the coolest guy on the planet. And he says, oh, well, what sage you want? And then he moved on to something else. And I thought, okay, so he's older. He forgot what we were talking about. Well, two days later, he comes to my house, and he presents me this little bottle of sage leaves. And he says, here you go, Brigham. After I'm gone, you'll still have sage. And I thought, wow, what a cool guy. He says, let me give you a little bit of sage. And I said, it sounds great. And he says, you know, there's this, uh, there's this gal I know. Her name is Kobe Lynn. And... She, four years ago, invited him to this youth camp out, and he went and addressed this youth, and it was fantastic. Well, two weeks later, he receives a letter from Kobe Lynn, and he says, I got to tell you, you might get an email or a phone call where somebody says thank you, but very rarely today do you ever get a thank you letter. And I got to tell you, every time I see Kobe Lynn to this day, I can't help but think of this thank you letter. You see, that's a wow experience. When you say thank you, what you're really saying is, is you made a difference. And when people feel like they've made a difference, they truly feel like they've made that difference. They feel important. And when they feel important, they become loyal. They become loyal to you. They become loyal to your cause. So when you're building your call center, and you're thinking color scheme and feng shui and how desks should be set up, you can find that out anywhere. Right? You can go to Zappos, you can do a tour there, you can go to any number of successful uh, companies throughout our industry and you can find out all about it. But what you need, what most call centers lack, is culture inside their office. A team that works at an autonomous level. Where they focus in on the work itself. Not just getting paid so they can go out and play, but they're focused in on the job itself and creating wow experiences, winning every moment that comes in over the phone.
Make sure your team is ready to provide a phenomenal experience every time the phone rings. Now at the end of the day, once you communicate the value, we got to do what's really important, and that is book the dang call. We got to make sure we get the service call booked. So I want you to join me watching once again Brigham Dickinson, uh, who talks about after you deliver that wow experience, what's the process you follow to make sure that you're booking the call on a regular basis? Scripts are very important. They're fantastic. But sometimes we have a tendency to forget our end goal when we're teaching our CSRs to follow the script. We get so focused on the tool we're using that we follow the, the tool without considering the end goal of the tool. So what's the end goal? What's the outcome that you want to achieve? Well, the outcome is you want a booked call. You want to create a wow experience so you book the call and you make more money. Right or wrong? Right? Right. Okay. So if that's our end goal, the first thing we want to establish is, is, hey, I don't care how you answer the phone. Don't care how you do it. Just as long as you keep the dispatch board full. Now, if calls are coming in, take care of that customer, book that call, wow them. If, if, they're, uh, if they're not coming in, we still got to figure out a way to keep the dispatch board full, even if that means we call out. You see, that's what the call center's job is, is to keep the dispatch board full. That way your technicians stay busy. Am I right or wrong? I'm absolutely right. So it's important that your call center understands that their job is not to answer phones. Their job is to book calls, wow customers, and make the company more money. All right? The way we do that is keep the dispatch board full. So that's the first thing we got to understand in the call center. All right, so how do we train them? We train them this way. Don't answer phones anymore. You book calls, you wow customers, and you keep the dispatch board full. That's your job from here on out. No longer is your job to answer phones. That's number one. Number two is scripts. Scripts are a launching pad. A new CSR, you give them a script. Now, there are plenty of scripts on the EGI website. But our goal is not just to follow the script, but to go beyond the script. Now, why is that important? Because let's say I'm following a script. Customer gets on the phone. They say they've got this air conditioner. It's blowing hot air. Now, on the script, it says, tell me more. Now, that's all fine and good if a customer says, hey, I want a ballpark price. Great. Tell me more about your situation. But if they say, hey, I've got this air conditioner. It's blowing hot air. It's not working really well. My mother-in-law, she said that it needs to be fixed or she's going to move out, which is fine with me. But, you know, my wife says that i gotta, I got to fix this because she doesn't want her to leave and all kinds of drama and they're going on and on and on. And the last thing you want to say is follow the script, right? You don't want to say, tell me more. You don't want to follow that script. You don't want to say, tell me more. What are you, what are you crazy? I don't want to ask that. So you're going to go beyond the script. You're going to say, Mr. Jones, how long has he been doing that? Oh, last couple of days. Well, look, that's not a good situation. No, it's not. Well, look, you've called the right place. We can help you with that. When would you like us out? So right from the get-go, you're talking about coming out, which is the end goal, right? Us coming out to the home to fix it? Of course. So that's the objective, is to go beyond the script. How do you do that? How do you train somebody? To not follow the script, to go beyond it. Well, it's very simple. It's what we've been talking about all along in each of these call center videos, which is to follow the pattern for excellence. Customer gets on the phone, and they explain their situation. Now, if they go on and on, the objective is to shut the door of that communication. How do you shut it? Well, you follow the pattern for excellence. You show them that you're listening. You show them that you care. You say yes, and you ask when. I will demonstrate. 
So I've got this air conditioner, it's blowing hot air. And it's been doing it for a while now, my mother-in-law, so on and so forth. What do you do is you wait for them to take a breath and you say, so it's the air conditioner. Now if you're right, when you restate their information, they're going to say, yes, it's like this load has been lifted off their shoulders. Yes, that's exactly it. Now, if you're wrong, they're going to say, no, 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 it's this other thing. But here's the great point, is that they, they got to their point, right? There it is. Okay, great. So it's this. And they go, yes, it's this. Wow, that's not a good situation. They go, yeah, I know. It's not good. Well, look, we can help you with that. When would you like us out? What did I just do? I showed her that I was listening, that I cared, that I said, yes, yes, I can help you with that. And I asked when, when would you like us to come out? So right out of the gate, I get them to the focal point of what we're trying to do over the phone, which is to ask for the appointment, book the call, get off the phone. All right, so we want to follow the pattern for excellence. We want to listen, care, say yes, ask when. So that's our objective on that call, is go beyond the script. Go beyond the script. Don't, don't get so focused on the script that you're not listening to the customer, that you're not connecting with them on an emotional level. That's why the pattern for excellence is so important. It's about the foundation behind the call that you're trying to build in your call center. Now keep in mind, if you're not a member, fill out the form next to me right here. You're going to get a free training package for CSRs. In this week's Service Technician segment, we're going to hear once again from Gary Ellix. You know, last week Gary talked about the importance of setting specific goals. He's going to continue that conversation today. So join me and Gary Ellix in talking about the importance of setting specific goals as a service technician. The third goal would be the accessory opportunities. Now, not all customers are going to want to invest in an accessory, and some customers may already have accessories, and that's fine. Uh, but there are gaps in a lot of the consuming public's uh, list of accessories as far as their equipment. So if you're in the north, you might have humidifiers. If you're in the south, you might have de dehumidifiers. If you're out west, you probably don't have either one of those things. But you might have IAQ and you might have filtration systems. And we certainly have lots of IAQ products that we can talk about. So depending, again, on your company's profile for its accessory list, um, one of the things we're going to talk about later in the video series with technician communication is, you know, we have some tools available through the process of the iPad where we can, you know, swipe through and explain to a client what the accessory is, what the price is, what the benefit is, and why a consumer might be interested in that. So the question becomes, if we have the tools, training, and resources, and we have opportunities, why wouldn't we offer customers the education process on an IAQ device? What does a UV light do? Why is it important? What does an HRV or an ERV do? Why is it important? So most technicians have not necessarily been trained as well as we would like to see relative to the product. And so if I'm not aware or educated on the product, it's unlikely that I personally will offer insights into the product. It just stands to reason. I don't want to embarrass myself, and I wouldn't expect my technicians to do that. One of the things I've learned over time is the better job we do of training the service group on the specific product, and not just the features of the product, which is, hey, IAQ does you know, eradicate certain types of bacteria and viruses and those types of things inside of the kill radius, but what's the benefit to the client? I mean, if the client has allergies and you, know, you have the ability to affect positively the work or the environment in the home, then why wouldn't you offer that? So the first rule of thumb in technician communication and selling is, 
you have to eliminate your biases and you have to eliminate your personal assumptions. Because you believe something or you don't believe something doesn't mean that you should limit me for what my belief system is based on accessories. So the reality is I do want to know about those product and services. My family might benefit from that. And so whether or not you personally have that in your home or whether you personally have that belief system, your job is to look at the product and service portfolio and understand it well enough that you let the consumer decide. So some people like to drive big cars. Some people like to drive economy cars, electric cars. And so there's no right or wrong on that. It's just a belief system and what their interests are. So from your point of view as a service group, you need to understand that accessories are a group. And so we have this group of closure rates attached to what the accessories are. Some of that, again, is going to be determined based on the price. So if I give it to you for free, most people would say, well, sure, you'd have 100% uptake. Why wouldn't I do that? If I charge you a million dollars, you may not sell one. But if you have a price point and a club program that makes it easy for a customer to actually engage. So an example for us is we like to see our closure rate here about one out of 12 service calls that result in a closure rate relative to an accessory. So that's different than a equipment sale. And uh, the reason it's one out of 12 is, is a lot of customers may already have some of those accessories in our marketplace. But the principle here is if we give the customer the opportunity and we ask the right questions, a lot of customers might say, well, sure, go ahead. So here's a couple things to write down, and this is part of the club agreement discussion. It's also in the videos on service agreements. We always offer the customer an immediate transaction opportunity because we're there on a service agreement today. So I'll have an accessory like an upgraded thermostat or a UV light or a humidification system or an upgraded filtration system. And I'm going to give the customer a discount if they invest in it today. And I'm going to put two guarantees on that. I'm going to put a best value, lowest cost guarantee. So you're welcome to put that in. And if you want to look around online, other contractors, I don't care. You're not going to find it any less expensive since the recovery of the cost for you, the technician, to already be present in the home has been recovered because the customer has paid for the service agreement. I've already got the money necessary to put you in position. I don't really have any costs associated with that. I only have the product cost and the wage and the spiff, the bonus that I intend to pay you. So from that point of view, the cost can be reduced to what we call you know, the sale or the gross profit dollar, and I'll go through that later. And then the second guarantee is I'm going to give you a 30-day test drive. Try it out. Take 30 days. See how it works. If you like it, we'll ding the credit card on the 30th day. So we're going to collect that information. That way the customer has no risk. It's mitigated. And so what that does is it allows us to create some transactions for some clients that we might otherwise not have normally created. So what we've done is we've given the technicians some accessory opportunities and closure rate opportunities that exist. I've seen companies that produce one out of eight transactions here. It's a very difficult thing to do, and some of that depends on the age of the demographics of the units outside in your, you know, your universe of homes. Uh, one out of 12 is something that we can set as a goal, and we can be effective. Now, if I have a technician that's outside of this range, uh, some of the guys that are watching this video might say, well, I'm not getting the calls. They're only giving the calls you know, to you know, tech A or tech B, and those are better calls. Well, over a period of a year and over a period of time, this all averages out. The dispatcher and the customer service group who might be controlling where we're sending our men, 
they're not targeting a particular group of accessories. There's absolutely truth in the idea that we would target that on lead turnover. So a senior selling technician or a specific trained technician might get the benefit of the doubt on the calls here. And so that's something that we'll talk about in a bit. But relative to accessories, there's no real way to know that. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the technician in a position to be trained, understand how to make that transaction occur, give them the best value, lowest cost, and the 30-day test drive guarantees, and then put a pricing structure together that makes it simplistic for the homeowner. It makes it economically beneficial, and there has to be some understanding of the product and the features and benefits. So set some goals for yourself about what your accessories are. I do fully intend to pay you on that transaction. In fact, if we just take the thermostat and we just take a basic upgraded stat, uh, we'll call the stat price $130. If I pay you $25 to install it and then pay you $20 as a bonus, $45 would be your compensation takeaway down here on number 10. You would be benefiting $45 and it might take you, let's say, a half an hour to 45 minutes max to install that thermostat. So that's a good wage for the return of your time. The question is, you know, is it a proper thing to do for the homeowner? Are they interested? Do they want that product? So as long as they do and we've gone through the process correctly, then obviously the transactions here make sense. We've got the three-legged stool. The customer is winning and they're satisfied and they've got a good product. You're winning. You're satisfied because we've created compensation for you on a call that really probably wouldn't have had the same compensation. And the third is the company wins because the company is going to produce some gross profit dollars. And so everybody is winning. That's a win-win-win situation. And that's great for everybody's attitude. It's great for the success pattern. But it starts with a goal-setting process that says we should identify what a reasonable number of opportunities are and what a reasonable number of closure rate is based on that standard. Fourth area is IAQ. So we do separate standard accessories from specific IAQ accessories. Now, Steve is going to do a lot of video work, and if you haven't seen any of the work that he's already produced, when you log on to the IAQ section, Steve is going to work through the various products and why the IAQ product accessories actually make sense. In other words, a level of understanding based on the product that we discussed here. So the closure rate here is typically about 1 out of 15. So not everybody has allergies. Not everybody has an interest in IAQ. And some people are only going to be there for four or five years, and so they don't want to necessarily invest. But what we know is that the IAQ products are very specific. They do solve specific problems for people like my son, who has some pretty severe allergies. So we've got all kinds of stuff in our particular systems. We've got a multiple, it's a mechanically zoned system with a couple of different split systems. And so on the air handling side, you know, we have not only UV lights, but a charcoal filtration system, treated filters inside of the dwelling and so forth. We've got an ERV system that's, <coughs> excuse me, exchanging air, returning energy back to the system, but also treating that by bringing the return air back through where the UV lights are. So the system itself is geared to try to clean and make the air hospitable for my son. The, the next discussion then brings us to lead turnovers because some of that discussion here is based on just the opportunity. Now, when I get into the repair versus replace video, you will see that we have some very specific rules right here. So our lead turnover rate here is also 1 out of 15. That's a goal that we have set for each individual technician. There are technicians that produce much better lead turnover rates than that. So you can absolutely do better than that. 
So don't use this as the gold standard. Use this as a basic to say that, well, we shouldn't be less than this. We can do better. Part of that is going to be the age of the equipment again. So when we look at the age of the equipment, you know, if all I'm ever seeing is over 10-year-old pieces of equipment, my ratio and my goal setting process can be much better. If I'm seeing nothing but three-year-old pieces of equipment, it's going to be difficult to create a new equipment lead turnover or an equipment sale based on a three-year-old you know, standard type, say, 14 or 16 CR piece of equipment, 90% gas furnace or 80% two-stage variable speed in our market. Or if you're out and you're in the Northeast and you're doing boilers and it's a brand new system, it doesn't make sense. From the homeowner's point of view, they would rather make their repair and affect a service agreement which supports the opportunity up here. That becomes this opportunity, not this opportunity. So these work together, but they also have separate ideas. So when we talk about the age of the equipment, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to say, well, what is the opportunity? Meaning that not every single call that you go on is an opportunity, which is why one out of 15 works. But from a time to time, we're going to run into these pieces of equipment that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. If you're in Florida or you're on the ocean and you've got saltwater conditions, basically coastal areas, this might even be, you know, six or seven or eight years old because the salt is corrosive and deals, you know, it starts eating coils and starts doing things that we don't normally see, for example, in Arizona or California or some of the Midwestern areas. So the essence of this goal setting process is if we can turn one out of 15, hey, I might pay you, you know, compensation of, say, $125 a box. I'm not saying that's what you should be paid. I'm saying that's essentially what we pay. If that's a standard per box and it's a split system lead turnover and it sells, then the technician gets a $250 lead turnover fee. And so his incentive, of course, is to make sure that it's a qualified lead because if it doesn't sell, there is no compensation. So what we've done is we've aligned the goal setting process here with the compensation process. And that's a good thing. That's better than paying somebody, say, $50 or $75 a box for any lead, and then we send out comfort advisors or senior selling technicians, and they arrive on a site, and they find out that it's not a proper lead. You know, it's a six- or seven-year-old system, and we just did something like talk a customer into, hey, well, it's a, no, it's, a, it's a free estimate, so you might as well do it. And so the compensation occurs for the service technician. That's out of alignment, and we would never recommend that idea. And once again, remember, if you're not an EGI member, fill out the form to the right, and you're going to get a free sample training package for service technicians. In this week's sales advisor segment, I want you to think back to last week. We talked about the five-step process and why it's so important to follow that process. Today, I want to talk about steps one and two, introduction and credibility and why they're so important. So join me as we take a deep dive into the importance of steps one and two. Steps one and two are really, really simple. In fact, both of these steps you've done probably a million times in the course of your career. We're going to, on step one, uh, introduce ourselves and build our credibility. And then in step two, we're going to position ourselves to offer multiple solutions. Remember, in sales, as a service uh, technician or a sales professional, your income is based on the number of problems that you solve. So you want to position yourself with your homeowner to have permission to solve as many problems as you can find. 
And so as you'll see in step two, we're simply going to get the homeowner's permission to bring other things to their attention in the event we find other problems. But let's talk, talk about step one, introduction and credibility. As I mentioned earlier, you've done this a million times. It's where you walk in, you're going to introduce yourself, you're going to put your, uh, your floor savers on, your shoe covers, that type of thing, and, and it's something you've done many, many times. There's a couple of key things, however, that I like to accomplish in that brief introductory statement, which by the way, your introductory statement could literally be 20 or 30 seconds. It's not a long process, but it's very important that you do it. Uh, obviously, you're going to greet the homeowner, introduce yourself, and then one of the things I like to accomplish is I want to accomplish building credibility for my company and then building credibility for me and then leveraging my credibility back to the company. I'll explain to you what I, what I mean by that. It's important to understand that when I'm talking to a homeowner, their relationship is with me, right? Uh, and they're going to be nice to me and they're going to be pleasant with me just because I'm right there in front of them. Even if they're uh, upset about something, they'll typically be nice to the person right there in front of them. If you think about it, it's very easy sometimes to be angry with you know, a person that's not in front of you, right? Uh, I remember one time I was talking to a neighbor and he was over in my front yard and he was talking about this other neighbor whose you know, dog was keeping him up at night and they were loud over there and he was really complaining a lot about this other neighbor. Well, son of a gun, as if on cue, the other neighbor comes walking up the street and my friend turns to him and says, oh, how you doing, buddy, right? Like he's Mr. Nice Guy. He was just you know, slamming the guy seconds before. My point is this, people tend to be nice to people in front of them, right? So your homeowner is going to be nice to you. Their natural relationship is going to be with you. So you want to use that relationship to leverage the credibility of your company. And it will sound something like this. Uh, how you doing, Mr. Homeowner? My name is Wally with ABC uh, Heating and Cooling, and I'm very excited to be here today. Just wanted to let you know that we are uh, one of the best companies in town, maybe even the biggest company, depending on the size of your company, but we are one of the best companies in town. And the reason we're one of the best companies in town is because of a series of guarantees that we offer that absolutely guarantee your satisfaction on this job. And I'll talk to you more about that later, but these guarantees are the hallmark of our company. Now, I've been with ABC for about five years, and I can tell you, Mr. Homeowner, uh, I could work pretty much anywhere I wanted to in town. I'm one of the most in-demand technicians in the city, but I choose to work here at ABC because of the way they take care of their customers and the way they take care of their people. So I'm really excited to be here. So again, that's your introduction and credibility statement. It took about 30 seconds, but let them know specifically, you're one of the best because of your service guarantees, whatever those are. You'll explain them in more detail later, but let them know you have a series of guarantees that protects them. Whatever your guarantees, whether it's a buy it back guarantee or just a satisfaction guarantee, a quality guarantee, whatever it is, just let them know you have a series of guarantees designed to protect them. And you'll talk about uh, more about that later. Uh, let them know that's really what sets you apart. Then I like to tell them, I've worked for ABC for X amount of years and I choose to work there because they're one of the best companies in town the way they take care of their customers. I could work anywhere in town, but I choose to work here because of how they treat their customers and their people. Again, I'm taking my credibility, you know, that I'm one of the most uh, in-demand technicians in the city. I could work anywhere I want, but I choose to work at ABC because of the way they treat their customers and the way they treat their people. And in about 30 seconds, I've introduced myself and I've built credibility for my company by talking about my guarantees. I've built credibility for myself by saying I'm one of the most in-demand technicians in the city. And then I took that credibility and put it back on the company by saying I choose to work there because of the way they take care of their customers and their people. So in 30 seconds, I've already kind of set the anchors, introduced myself, and began building serious credibility with my homeowner. 
Now, let's talk about step two, because step one is just that simple. Again, you've probably done that a million times, right? I just want you to get a little more precise in your language, and rather than just going in and introducing yourself, have a specific objective. Your objective is to talk about your guarantees, about you being a great technician, and you choose to work at your company because of how they treat their people and their customers. Then I segue right on in to step two. Step two is to position yourself to offer multiple solutions. Remember, multiple solutions are the key to growing your average ticket and to growing your income. I wanna to go to the whiteboard for just a minute to kind of give you a brief overview of, of really what I'm talking about here in this situation. So what I wanna do is to show you a little model that really illustrates the decision that people are engaging in when they're deciding whether or not to purchase solutions from you. If you think about the purchasing process, it's kind of a balance that homeowners have to, uh, have to make, right? On one hand, they have their money. On the other hand, they have a problem. Now the way commerce works in real life is that people have problems and they pay their money to get solutions to those problems. And our job when we walk in the house, whether it's on a sales call or a service call, our job is to demonstrate the value of our solution to their problems. And if the homeowner decides that our solution is more important to them than their money, they will exchange their money for our solution. That's how commerce happens. That's how transactions happen. So here's the thing. If you want to make this bigger, you can't just arbitrarily go out there and double, triple, quadruple your prices tomorrow, right? The only way to get the money bigger on a consistent basis is to keep things in balance. How do you do that? Well, you have to find additional problems to solve for your homeowner. And you'll see throughout the process, especially in step three, the process I'm going to, uh, step three and step four really, I'm going to take that problem and I'm going to expand it. So perhaps they call me about a furnace problem I'm gonna find an air conditioning problem, a noise problem, an, uh, an indoor air quality problem, maybe even a humidity problem, whatever it is, but I'm gonna find a whole scope of problems. And you'll see how this happens in step three and step four. And then how I'm gonna use all those problems to close the deal in step five. So again, they might start with one problem, but before I'm done, we might have discovered four, five, or six, or seven problems, just depending on the situation. The key is I have to make sure I find those problems but then I want to get the homeowner's permission to bring those problems to their attention. And the way I'm going to do that is very simple, which is what step two is all about. Step two is simply a matter of gaining permission to bring other problems to the attention of your homeowner. You're not going to try to solve the problems at this point. You're going to solve the problems later. And in fact, at this point, you don't even know what the problems are, except for maybe the problem they called you about. So there are going to be other problems on that call that you don't know about, but what you want to do before you even find them is you want to get permission to bring those to the homeowner's attention. So once I do my introduction and credibility statement, I simply say, now, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at your system and find out what's going on here. Again, if it's a service call, you're going to you know, be going to find what the problem is. If it's a sales call, you're just going to say, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, I'm going to go take a look at your system and kind of see what's going on, take a look at the house, do my uh, measurements and my, uh, my load calculation, that type of thing. But whatever it is, you just let them know that you're going to go look at the house, look at the system, look at whatever you're going to look at. And all you want to say is something very simple like this. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, as I'm checking out your system, uh, if I find something that could be a safety issue, a quality of life issue, a code issue, is that something you would like me to bring to your attention or should I just keep that information to myself? 
right? That's all you want to ask them. And when you do the takeaway and say, you know, should I just keep that information to myself? When you do that takeaway, the natural inclination of human beings is going to be like, no, 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 no. Tell me if you find something else that's a safety issue, a quality of life issue, you know, uh, a home comfort issue, a code issue, whatever it is. You know, if you say, do you want me to keep that to myself? They're going to jump in and say, no, 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 just let me know, right? Again, they're not agreeing to buy any other solutions. You haven't even found the problems yet. So you're nowhere near ready to do that, but you're getting permission from your homeowner to bring the other problems to their attention. The reason that's important is that sometimes it can be very awkward, right? You're working on the furnace and maybe you see a problem with the water heater or you see a problem with return air or you see a problem with the air conditioner, whatever it is. Sometimes the tendency is we can be afraid to bring that to the homeowner's attention because we don't want to seem like we're being pushy or trying to, you know, hard sell or something. But if you get the homeowner's permission before you go look at the system, you get their permission to bring these things up, it makes it much easier for you to come back upstairs or come back to the homeowner and say, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, you said to bring anything else up that I found. Well, I found problem A, B, C, and D, right? And then of course, you're gonna to try to offer solutions to those problems. But at this point in step two, all you're trying to do is to get permission from your homeowner to bring these additional problems uh, to their attention. And you're gonna take it away a little bit by saying, is that something I should keep to myself? And then they're gonna say, no, no, let me know. So if I take number, number one, step one, and I take step two and kind of blend them together, it's gonna to sound something like this. How you doing, Mr. Homeowner? My name is Weldon Long. I'm uh, working here at ABC and very happy to be here today. I know you guys have some type of heating problem and really looking forward to taking care of that for you. Just wanted to let you know that my company, ABC, uh, in my estimation, it's the best company in town. And the reason it's the best company is very simple. It's because of a series of guarantees that we have that are designed to protect you, the homeowner. We know that with contractors, sometimes it can get pretty sketchy. And so we offer these guarantees, which I'll uh, talk more about a little bit later, but these guarantees are designed to protect you. Uh, I've worked for ABC for about five years now, and I can tell you, I'm one of the most in-demand technicians in the city. Uh, I could work anywhere I want to work uh, in town here. I choose to work at ABC because of the way they treat me and because of the way they treat my customers. They're a very reliable company, and that's why uh, I like to work with them, and that's why I'm so proud to work here. Uh, what I'd like to do now is to go ahead and take a look at your system, see what's going on, see what the problems are. And by the way, as I look around your system and look around the house, if I find any other issues that are perhaps a code issue, a safety issue, quality of life, or indoor air quality uh, situation, if I find any problems along those lines, are those things you would like me to bring to your attention, or would you rather I just keep that information to myself? Oh, right. Bring it, let me know, I wanna know, right? Great, let's go take a look at, at the system. So again, the whole process, steps one and two, is gonna take you maybe a minute, maybe even less, but it's critically important because you have accomplished three very important objectives in those two steps. Number one, you introduced yourself. Number two, you built some credibility for your company and for yourself, and then you leverage that credibility back to the company. And then number three, you have permission from your homeowner to find other problems and to bring those problems to their attention. Now you've already got a, a very simple opportunity to find the problems and say, hey, you wanted to know? Here are the problems. And then of course, you're gonna offer solutions to those problems. So that's step one and two, very simple, very quick, very efficient, takes about a minute, but it can go a long way towards building credibility for you and also opening the door to offer multiple solutions to your homeowners at the end of the process, which we'll talk about in later modules.
Thank you so much for joining us this week. Remember, if you're a CSR, you got to build the value, you got to book the call. If you're a service technician, you got to know what you're doing, have specific goals. And if you're a sales advisor, you got to make sure to build your introduction, build your credibility, because that's going to set the foundation for success at the end of the call. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.